Hey you, you're listening to Sloancast, your one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time. Patrick Penland, Chris Murphy, Andrew Scott, and Jay Ferguson, collectively known as Sloan. Uh, we are your fellow super fan hosts. I'm Rob. This is Ken. Ken, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. I'm ready to dive into these last two sides. All right. And as you know from episode one of our Commonwealth Wealth Double episode, our guest is once again New Jersey's own Aaron Pinto. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm ready uh, ready for the second LP, or really the, the second second LP. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. All right. Well, let's hit it. Why don't, we do, why don't we just do a quick little rundown of the songs that we've heard so far and kind of go through some of the, maybe some of the moods and the themes that we've, uh, re- that we've visited so far. We've got Jay's side, which we were kind of talking in the last episode about it being very filmed. Um, mm. very intentional impressionistic if you will that's the that's the j word um you know starting off with with a bit of a more tempered slower we've come this far perfect opening song i think we all agree mm. um into and like we've just been saying like you were saying in the last episode aaron like i mean these are the these would be in the top 10 j songs like his entire side just unstoppable stuff yeah um sure. We uh, yeah we we carry on into carried away the king of hearts and Chris's side which you know he's sort of touching on themes of you know uh, beliefs and religion a little bit and you know some pretty heavy-handed relationship chatter in Missy's beside herself um, you know potentially speaking to those around him and talking about relationships in general with Get Out mm-hmm. uh, and um, yeah and it was interesting I'm trying to think if there's any sort of like spirituality or anything going on on the J side, because in a way I kind of feel that's a thing that kind of ties the whole thing together. If there is anything, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but Chris has got it in. Don't need excuses. Um, and keep swinging Patrick's name checks, religion. And then I'm trying to remember what the thing in, in, uh, what is the thing in Andrew's? I think Andrew mentioned something. Saying a prayer for too. you as well. That's as, right. You know, they're saying a prayer. Chorus. Thank you. They're saying a prayer in 48 yeah. Portraits. That's right. Yeah. So I'm just kind of going back, and I'm, I hope I'm not just wasting time here, but uh, I probably am. <laughs> what would be on, on Jay? I mean, Jay's side, you could, you could argue that, you know, Love. I mean, this is going to sound like the corniest statement of all time, but love is <laughs> love is religion. Like that's Jay's. That's uh, you know, Jay is is finding right. something like in neither here nor there. He's finding something greater than himself. My previous concerns. Well, my only previous concerns were deciding on desserts. Now I put her first. That kind of thing. Mm. Pur- it, like, it's all, maybe it's all about purpose. You know, purpose in life. Right. Maybe we're we're reading right. too Let's much in, but well, whatever. You know, that's a, <laughs> well, that's I could do. Side, I think. On the next episode of Fabcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think this is as good a time as any also to just bring up the title itself, which is something I meant to mention in the last episode, but Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, we're talking about the group themselves. And then obviously the idea that um, they kind of split the money, which is something that they famously always talk about how you keep a band together for so long is they kind of split the money and stuff. And so they are commonly wealthy amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just going to say there's a tie in between that name and the idea of royalty and monarchy and the four Kings, which mm -hmm. is something we'll get to with Patrick's side as well, which I find very, very juicy. Nice. And Aaron, you were mentioning before we recorded last episode, uh, one of the original album titles. 
Yeah, I know they they were, and they were even throwing. I think they were throwing this around for for what became twelve as well. Mm. But uh, they were definitely throwing it around for Commonwealth for it to be called the eleventh hour because eleventh album, you know, late into their career, that that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, which I would have I would have loved that as an album title. But Commonwealth not only is there a uh, reference to splitting the money, but it's also splitting the album four ways. Yep, you know, absolutely. Four sides of vinyl. It's Commonwealth. Yeah, everybody's got their plot of land for sure. Well, and I did. I did also notice that there was, um, you know, at, at some point when it came out, I was, I was googling, you know, Commonwealth and came across there's a Beatles there's a uh, old Beatles bootleg called Commonwealth, which hmm. I thought was cool. Really? Okay, that's definitely yeah. yeah. That's definitely something. Something going on there. Let's get to it. The king of rock, the king of shamrocks. That is uh, Patrick <laughs> Pentland, the C side, the third side on the record. Um, he kind of just knocks us over right away. Thirteen under a bad sign. Now, I think Ken, you were the one who kind of pointed this out to yeah. the Albert King album. Sure, born so, under a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, it's it. You can't ignore this uh like very explicit reference to this kind of electric blues classic albert king was uh one of three blues artists in the 60s i guess who was referred to as the king of the blues right so you had bb king and freddie king as well who were maybe a little bit more i guess a little bit a little bit more prominent um in in terms of their career work but there were three kings at the same time, collectively known as the kings of the blues. And it's hard not to think about cross-references between the kings of the blues and the kings of the Sloan album. Um, if you, if anybody hasn't seen this cover before, it's actually quite common. It's a very, it's probably Albert King's most common record, uh, his most popular record. And um, it's a Stax Records release, so it's been re-released a number of times. It's called Born Under a Bad Sign. And on the cover, there's uh, a calendar um, page showing Friday the 13th. So we have 13 born under a bad sign. And there's also a playing card. It's the Ace of Spades. So it doesn't you know, fit perfectly with, uh, with the Shamrock side per se. Uh, there's other symbolism going on. Like there's dice showing snake eyes really big album it was you know with a lot of the stacks records releases you get some pretty uh, important musicians playing on them i think booker t and the mgs were the backing band i believe isaac hayes was also featured on the album oh and you know if i recall correctly homer simpson also covered born under a bad sign on the uh, early 90s release that simpson simpson sang the blues which was of course um, a very important release for my childhood. So, Absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, you can't you can't help but think of Patrick taking a lot of the symbolism in this song, or even symbolism is probably too strong of a word, but taking reference to this song, and that fits really well into the whole narrative that we were talking about in terms of Commonwealth and the different kings. Yeah, and speaking, I mean, I definitely remember jumping rope for heart to the Bartman uh, when I was in like grade four, grade five. And speaking of album covers and dice and whatnot, on the front of Commonwealth, you actually have the three dice, uh, one being an Irish green die. But these numbers all uh, add up to 13, obviously. 
And uh, just kind of looking around the album art while we're here, just to speak about Patrick specifically, obviously the song Take It Easy is on the rear. There's a little patch there. Um, up in the upper right-hand corner on the rear next to the Yoko Cassiano's button that we mentioned in the last episode is a little, uh, it looks like a, a greeting card or something. And it says what's in, it's, it says on the card, it's what's inside that matters. It's cut off a little bit, but um, a reference obviously to the third song on Patrick's side. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, it's funny. This song comes in at number 11 and I, and I wish obviously that they had shuffled it around so that it could be the 13th track, you know, like, I mean, I guess there's an alternate universe out there where, you know, maybe keep swinging is first and then take it easy and then 13 and then what's inside. But you know, what are you going to do? I guess you don't want right. to have, you don't want to have keep swinging and 13 too close together there. I mean, I mean this 13 and the next song too. take it easy could almost be the same song. Like they could just be one long song. You had mentioned that the first two songs on the Patrick side, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves if you know, cause we haven't even talked about the song 13 yet, but the, the idea of that 13 and um, take it easy. Uh, if they were, if they were coupled together as one song, uh, it, it would almost be like a uh it would make sense it would i wouldn't classify it as prog or anything but like the idea oh. that they're that's food for thought i did also want to just quickly um since we're talking about the the album art again we didn't do this in the first episode and i wanted to uh give a shout out i i hope i'm pronouncing his name right to steve manali who who uh it says in the liner notes did the uh playing card illustrations because mm-hmm. they're so they're so good. They yeah, they yeah. they look like they look like real playing cards. Which, by the way, if you're you're if you're uh, keeping keeping track at home, they Sloan did make that this into an actual playing card set, which uh, I personally regret not buying at the merch table. But what are you going to do? Oh, buddy, um, I'll get you, I'll get you I'll get you a set. Thanks, man. That's uh, that, that. You know, some people have a have a, a weed guy. I got my uh, Sloan playing cards guy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, the, these illustrations are, are perfect. They look like Kings on a playing card, but they also capture their likeness, uh, so well, obviously, uh, you know, it, it's uh, Patrick's look always changes. So we're getting a, uh, one version of Patrick here. Um, but also to, 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 uh, kind of preface Patrick's side, the fact that he, the fact that he specifically went for shamrocks as opposed to the clubs is kind of indicative of his side that he purposely, that mm-hmm. he went, he went outside of the, of the Sloan box. And yeah. while, while everybody else on this album is really making use of complex production techniques and a lot of different tracks on the mix and 30 different backing vocal layers and uh, Mellotron synthesizers, this and that um, Patrick's side is, you know, it's guitars and him singing you know, which is definitely designed. That's not, you know, mis- you know, that's not, that's not a, an accident or anything. I, I know that he's been one to really kind of simplify the way that he approaches uh, recording and production over the course of the years. And we talked in, in the, in the never hear the end of it episodes, plural about how Patrick oh. also really over the course of the years has simplified his lyrical content to kind of get rid of some of the superfluous things that might not really have, have any meaning or might not really contribute anything to the song. And so you can hear that on this side. I mean, the, the, the music itself is fairly stripped down of, you know, superfluous elements that might not be helping the narrative of the side as well. I think that 13 is, um, 
in in many ways, I feel as though this was a phase in his career in which he was incorporating a lot of what he'd been interested in privately uh, with his uh, Destroy Tomorrow 666, melding that with his love for effects, pedals, and boards, mm. and uh, making that into a nice coherent package for, um, for, for a recorded LP. I think that that's something that really becomes evident here. And it's not easy to pull that off. You know, it's, it's easier to pull that off when you're on stage and you're hiding behind a poor, you know, poor acoustics or whatever. And people are, they have adrenaline and it's a live show and, you know, but you really, in order to make that work on a recorded product, you really have to know your shit in terms of engineering, in terms of, um, in terms of mixing, etc. Not that I do, but, um, he, he does make it seem quite natural. It really shows. I mean, especially on I mean, on what's inside, which is coming up in a couple songs, and on the alternate album that we keep touching on, the record store day release from 2015. His version of "13 Under a Bad Sign" on that record is more in yeah. line, perhaps, with that electronic music. Just a very straightforward electronic beat. Um, there's some harmonica in there for color, um, but you know, a, a very different, even more stripped down version of the song, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah, these are just soundscapey. His whole side, and we were talking at the beginning of the first episode where, you know, maybe Patrick wasn't the one who had as much cohesion at the other as as the others. But I, you know, upon listening to it again and again, I really mm. kind of feel like his is just as cohesive. You know, like I mean, as far as I'm concerned, thirteen, take it easy and keep swinging. Could be one long like epic song that just yeah. where they kind of just each part kind of connects. The beat is relatively the same. Like the just the the regular 4-4 beat with the tambourine that just sounds so sweet. I mean, this song just starts with a great beat. It, that's what it kind of mm-hmm. introduces it. Um, oh, it starts with the with like the Rivers Cuomo screaming into um, El Scorcho scream. And I'm wondering <laughs> who's who's doing that scream. Is that, that can't I, be Patrick. It must be yeah, Greg. We've got it. It's either Greg or Chris, maybe. I mean, obviously, I picture Chris being the one to, you know, you know go, wow, or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> But, but uh, maybe it's Kevin. Kevin seems like a good. There you good, go. A good yeah. Rivers Cuomo screamer. For yeah. those who are playing along at home, the inside of the record, obviously Kevin is the guy with his uh, chest exposed on the phone <laughs> at the bar. Kevin Hilliard. Kevin of Hilliard, course, of course. They're, uh, they're lighting. They're lighting guy on the road and uh, all around. Good time guy. Friend and good guy. Yep. Good time guy. Exactly. <laughs> and, and even just, you were talking about sort of the wall of sound that he kind of creates here. Now, not just with the guitars, but obviously with the synths and the solos that, that appear here uh, on 13 and on keep swing, uh, keep swinging specifically. Um, they're not the traditional kind of guitar solo, you know, that's just like a run or something like that. And they remind me, I mean, they're very soundscapey and it just sounds like he's just having a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's almost reminiscent of the good and everyone, you know, and Chris has kind of told the story, but where Patrick just kind of kicked open the door. And when they, when Jay and Chris first heard that solo, they were just like, Ugh, like this doesn't line up with our sort of Brit pop aesthetic mm-hmm. where we're kind of sounding like the Beatles and stuff. And Patrick brings in this like punk song. That's like yeah. gnarly. And it's got fucking blood on its fists and he has this screaming fucking solo ends up being like one of their i would suggest one of the greatest sloan songs of all time he's kind of reintroducing that sort of invigorated you know um like a muscular kind of feel you know like and 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 i feel like that sort of soundscape so where the solo is, is sort of like 
in another world, you know, it's from another world, if you will. Yeah. And this is, this is the Patrick that started, I think this, this Patrick phase officially started with reach out on action packed. There's that wonderful octaver pedal guitar solo at the end of action packed, uh, at the end of, um, reach out that, yeah. uh, it might be a Quinn pedal as well, but one way or the other, it's, it's a triple voice of, of the solo playing on a single string, which he does live quite frequently. Actually reach out is one of their favorite live songs to do great track. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it takes that, that that, that's really him pivoting from um, his styling prowess of the '90s and uh, moving to more towards pedal-driven solos. Which, I mean, obviously, the Wah featured prominently on "Between the Bridges," for example. I think it, I think it plays out really well on this album. I think that you know you got to listen when you're listening to Patrick since maybe 2006. You got to primarily listen to the music. Um, mm. the lyrical content is something that's kind of secondary to the musical content. And like and you said, yeah. and he talks about that and it's, you know, it's a big part of, uh, I think it's also just a big part of his own taste in music as well. He's not a dude who's super, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, he's written some of the finest lyrics in the Sloan catalog. Don't it. get me wrong. I can feel it. Absolutely. Long time coming. Um, even songs like amped, like listen to mm. amped and it's just, you know, this is 93 or maybe 92, even probably even 92 when he wrote it. Um, and it just really sounds like um, somebody who's got his shit together and he's 23 at this point in time. But, yeah. um, you know, not, not to, not to say that he's like lost the edge over the years. That's definitely not the case. And I think that 12 prove that again, that, you know, he's, he's capable of releasing the lyrical beast when needed. But, you know, this album is really, his side on this album is really just a focus on, I think, his ideal musical styling in 2014, combining elements of ambient music, combining elements of, you know, hard rock, punk, and electronic music. And he does it really well. Yeah, the three rock songs for me here save for what's inside which is a song for me i mean we'll get to it we're kind of talking about his whole side in one big go here but like what's inside is very hard on your sleeve like just opening up your chest cavity and just letting everybody look inside and the other songs are kind of these like boogie songs and they all kind of feel very much like it's chris farley in uh what's the movie dirty work and he's like you know g25 street fighting man like i kind of picture this is the kind of music that would come on you know just like some rip rock and action and i love like the piano slide into the riff you know it's like such a classic it, it reminds me of those uh you know like a compilation of um touring footage of like the beatles or the beach boys from the 60s where it's just like cut together footage of them having a good time on the road to like a just a swinging like piano jangly you know riffarama like that that's what this music kind of feels like and you were talking about going back in time to never hear the end of it i, I feel yeah. like this these three songs these three rockers kind of have a lot in common with action pact actually um, well, uh, yeah action pact was sort of yeah i think action pact is in many ways the beginning of patrick's contemporary phase if that makes sense Yep. I feel like these songs, and interestingly enough, even with songs like Unkind uh, and Plain to See on the last album on Double Cross, they feel very much unto themselves in a weird way. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. that album to me is very separate from the one that kind of came the, from Parallel Play and this one. Um, but yeah, like the sort of musical jump that you were talking about earlier, Ken, for me is like action packed to Parallel Play with a song like Burn For It, which is just fucking it. great. It's a face yeah. melter. I remember yeah. seeing the release show for Parallel Play, and we'll talk about this when we talk about that album, but at the Tattoo Rock Parlor here in Toronto, and they played Burn For It, and it was just the highlight of the set for mm. me. 
like fucked yeah, by wow. the time they get to the end of that song uh, and they're doing like the call and response vocal it's just fucking amazing um yeah anyway and the first so from so from hacking pact excuse me to parallel play to here he kind of does like a quantum leap to this album and those those albums and those songs all kind of feel like they're from the same universe. Patrick side is another great example of how lucky we are that their last names happen to be in the alphabetical order that they are, because I can't, I can't picture Patrick's side starting or ending the album. So I guess if it was either second or third side, that would be great. It's if it's third side again, if you choose, and I have to always say this, if you choose to listen to it in that order, because again, Sloan designed this so you could, it's intended format of vinyl for you to listen to whatever side you want in whatever order. But I think it really acts as a nice, uh, I don't, I would, I wouldn't say intermission because that, that makes it sound like, uh, you know, it's not as important as the other sides. It's, it's just as important as the other sides because that's, that's what Sloan is. If there's no, if, if, if any one of them are missing, it's no longer Sloan. Totally agree. I'm, I'm, and I'm out. So like, they're all equally important and but it's it's a it's a not intermission but it's like a uh, yeah palate cleanser from the first two sides especially if and and patrick does not uh hide this at all that he is not a beatles fan like Mm. like chris and jay and 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 probably andrew are and that's not you know that's that's his prerogative that's he likes he he's a huge punk metal fan on his uh, unabashedly and he makes yep. that he he makes it clear from from the get-go of his side that he is not doing he is not going to continue in jay and chris's side which is almost exactly what you want would have wanted him to do because because oh. you want everybody on this type of album where everybody has their own side you know it this is uh you know if anything this is the album that should be called parallel play because they're literally you know that that was that album was called that because of you know kids playing in their own space yeah. you know like dab you know dabbling in each other's a little bit but focused on their own space mm-hmm. um you know patrick had his had a blank canvas to do whatever he wanted and he went for the music that he likes to make like you guys yeah. said so it, I I love that it's all concentrated in his side. It would if this if this double album was like the classic Sloan style where all the songs were mixed together. Mm. I I don't know if I would like Patrick's songs as much because, or maybe I That's wouldn't like point. the album as much because it wouldn't flow as well. But you know, and you could argue that like it's a it's a you know pretty abrupt thing to go from Jay and Chris's sides to Patrick's side, but. That's that's what this album is supposed to be. It's supposed to be four EPs. It's not supposed, or, or you know, you know what I mean. Four solo albums. Yeah. It's not designed to be uh, a straight through listen. And, and and the fact that it is is a testament to how great Sloan are. The fact that it is a straight through listen for from all of us, Absolutely. you know, all Sloan yeah. fans. Yep. But um, the fact that he, you know, and I, and he he made. I, it's it's hard it's hard for me to to imagine a Sloan fan that doesn't like the Beatles, but they're probably out there, and they're and Patrick's side might be exactly what somebody was hoping for, you know. Yeah, after yeah. all, after all these years, and by the way, for somebody who doesn't like the Beatles, Patrick can write in that style, no problem. We saw it on one court to another. I sure. mean, it's it's 
that's a testament to him as a songwriter that he can adapt to to any style and and um you know and 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 getting ahead of it but like rob said we're kind of just discussing this side as a whole um i view keep swinging downtown as kind of patrick winking at us like yeah i could write i could write a whole i could write a million like rolling stone style songs I'm going to, but, but, you know, that's in like, that's, and, and that's not to downplay that song. I think it's a great song, but like, just to say like, Hey, like these first three tracks, pay attention to this. This is what I, this is what, this is who I am, especially to me, especially what's inside. I view that as because it's the, it's objectively the least Sloan sounding Sloan song in the catalog that, you know, that it's him going, Hey, this is me. And I love that. I've grown to love that. I love that he's showing off on this side for sure. And and you said it best. I mean, I it's it's difficult for me to imagine this album like listening to it going J Chris right into Andrew. Like to not have that Patrick side where he kind of takes a left turn and gives you his sort of flavor, you know, I don't I don't then appreciate how crazy the Andrew side gets, you know what I mean? Like hmm. Patrick kind of, you know, brings you back down to earth and uh allows that palate cleanse to happen you know and it's interesting too even the even the title like you were just talking about keep swinging um you know they've made no you know secret of about how they refer to him as the hit maker i mean that's a joke that goes back to the 90s uh patrick mm. hitmaker penland and uh you know if he's the hit maker if muhammad ali is the one hitting everybody and he's taunting guys, just going, "Hey, man, I'm just going to keep hitting. You just keep swinging. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna you're gonna be swinging at air. You know? <laughs> wow, that I was, love. Well, that, was that is great, and that's why they. That's probably why they they went for him at, to make uh you know keep swinging the the single. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, this I mean, is something we got into the last episode on too. I mean, like I would have been fine with thirteen under a bad sign being the single. I mean, there are like four like really obvious singles on this record um so the fact that he got one i can't i think kind of speaks to the fact that he classically is the one with the big single but um yeah there's lots lots of there could have been more singles if andrew decided to make individual tracks out of uh, 48 portraits but we'll get to that um (laughs) i'm i'm just uh you know impressed again at how patrick has the ability to get underneath your skin with with a song and um in the process of preparing for this episode, full disclosure, Commonwealth isn't in the upper half of my favorite albums of this band, probably, which really speaks to the depth of their catalog. Cause mm. I love this album, you know, and I listen to this album frequently, but it's still like there <laughs> for my personal tastes, there's a lot out there that I love yeah. more um, without paying attention to what's going on. Um, I didn't realize how catchy this music is because I listened to the album twice yesterday and I can't get keep swinging out of my head. Like, yeah, I, or, or or take it easy. Like try to listen to take it easy and not have that in your head for like the next week. Yeah, it's it's just like really simple rock mathematics that he masters. And he's been doing that, I think, especially since um, I'm going to say, especially since uh, Parallel Play. Believe in Me is the first, I think, type of song of this formula where we have kind of a, a, a very simplified rock structure with really 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 catchy riffs um unkind might be my favorite song of this formula uh i think unkind harkens back in many ways to the singles of the late 
90s and early 2000s of his. So there might be a little bit of, if it feels good, do it in unkind. That's for a different episode altogether. But what I'm trying to say here is that he just knows the formula and he applies it perfectly. Yeah. And he is kind of hearkening back to previous lyrics too. Like, I mean, when I'm, when we're looking at keep swinging, uh, he's talking about, uh, get loud ears, keep ringing the band keeps swinging, which reminds me of, um, burn for it. When he says, I got the loud, proud volume freaks. They're just, you know, shrink in my head or whatever. Like, uh, I don't remember what the, what the reference is with, uh, the volume freaks. Oh, it's, it's going to kill me. I got to look it up now, which is, yeah. I mean, what's inside. I mean, like, I was I was listening to it earlier before we started recording, and I mean, if it's about if it's him saying it about himself, I mean that's just like the tone in his voice, what he's saying. Like I think the first couple times I heard it, I assumed he was talking with somebody else. The lyrics he's talking, he's speaking to somebody like your head. Um, It's but. uh, it's also, it's also, I mean, and Patrick's been very explicit about dealing with mental health issues, and it's really just an examination of a single emotion that you deal with when you're depressed. Mm. You know, and that, that's, I think, um, it, drawn into a palette of sounds which mm. fit together really well. It reminds me in many ways kind of that late 90s, early 2000s phase of more ambient rock music that was briefly popular, at least on Canadian airwaves. And I, Rob, like I've, I've talked to you about this a few times. You need to remind me what the chorus for what's inside sounds like. I've because there's that, that, there's that drum loop that is, yeah. and that, that's just like a famous drum loop. Um, oh, I, it, that's been bothering I've guessed me that so it's long. either Sade or Portishead. I'm not entirely Portishead. sure. And it's, and as much as what's inside is a song that just sort of hollows you out when you hear it, it's just like heart wrenching, you know, he, he doesn't end his side that way. He kind of returns to the joyful bop of the earlier songs. And, you know, I, I was listening to a, a, an interview recently with this guy. This is totally like completely left to center. This guy named David Goggins, who's like a former Navy SEAL. And now he's like a motivational speaker. And he was, he, he was really heavy at one point in his life. And now he's just like this shredded runner. And his whole, his whole aesthetic is like, keep going, like get up and just, he's like a motivational guy. Like, you know, the more you just sort of sit there and do nothing, you know, the, the, the harder it's going to be to get up and kind of take action. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a kind of real Testament to Patrick in terms of what is inside of him as a person that he comes from the depths of what he's feeling and singing about and what's inside. And he brings it back full, full circle with a song that has a title, like keep swinging, which kind of, you know, I mentioned it earlier, could be a reference to the other guys in the band, but I mean, it's him almost with the, with the self affirmation saying like, you know what, as low and as tough as times have have been, I'm going to be that guy to just keep up and every day, just make the decision to keep going, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think as well, if this side of the album has quite publicly taken flack for not fitting into the rest of the album, for not fitting into the Sloan catalog, for being disappointing, whatever. Um, I see it differently. And I think we also just need to need to appreciate what it is artistically, you know, looking at it as a slice of his musical genius, really. 
which you can tell with the production of songs like uh, Keep Swinging and that and that transition from the main electric part to the acoustic outro, which takes place seamlessly and sounds so effortless. And he's for everything that you know we call we call Patrick kind of a chunky riff maker, but he he's got a delicate hand on the acoustic guitar too. It sounds great. The riffs are chunky, to be clear. Yeah. Patrick's very into it. Yeah. Uh, no, they all are. They all look great. I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's that, and I think, I think we, I think we need, to, I think we need to appreciate just looking at this as a glimpse into this man's psyche at this point of his career, and it's done coherently. It's done in a catchy way. You can, it's, 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 it's digestible. For for me, this is a really important statement that the man made in 2014. And speaking of looks inside someone's psyche. You know, before we get to the King of Spades himself, I do want to mention you, you. You brought up a good point there, Ken, and I don't want to cut you off, Aaron. If you had anything else you wanted to say, but um, especially at the end of the song, at the end of "Keep Swinging," you were talking about how, sort of his delicate hand, and I really love that he is able to seamlessly at the end of the song. I love how at the end of the song, it kind of just shifts down a gear. And it just sort of the song kind of just rides off into the sunset. You feel like everybody in the band kind of pulls back a little bit. The drums are a little lighter. The guitar's a little lighter. It's just this pretty, you know, riding off into the sunset part, you know. And it's actually very reminiscent of Never Hear the End of It, where I understand kind of turns around halfway through the song and and jumps back into being this sort of like acoustic jam. I'll refer, uh, I'm going to refer to for. I, I imagine if you're listening to this episode, you heard part one, but if you didn't, um, my whole claim, me, Aaron, uh, my whole claim to fame is this article, these articles I wrote on Pop Matters about Sloan, so, uh, which culminated in a big review, um, an essay, if you will, of, of Commonwealth. And uh, my ultimate thing on, on Patrick's side um, is, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase this, um, but I I view this side as this, and now I'm reading off off the thing. Uh, you know, maybe all of it, meaning Patrick's side, is one big deliberate reactionary punk and metal statement from the punk and metal loving Patrick against either his own cont- comparatively poppy singles of yesteryear or the consciously put together sides of the other three members. And if this is the case, then he gets credit, not just for rocking Sloan's boat for 11 plus minutes, but for embracing the music of his soul. Mm. And I, that's, that's where I love this side that it, I, I, I've already said this, that it goes outside the box, but the fact that the fact that he, you know, the fact that he wouldn't, he wouldn't, do this on on another album and do by do this i mean make music that's so different from sloan like Mm -hmm. i i view this and and ken was just saying it's that it's some people view it and including me at the at the beginning you know when i first started that it didn't fit in with sloan but the fact that he used this album to do that yeah instead of instead of trying to you know make these songs work in the context of another album i don't see i don't see that happening and he you know on on 12 he returns to more of a of his you know style from other sloan albums um and makes it you know that makes 12 work you know makes 12 what it is but for this album he concentrates it all to his side Mm. and and i like that i like that it it 
rocks the boat of Sloan. It's that's what this album is for. Yeah, and Chris even talked about you know after the album came out, everybody getting their own real estate like on other albums, but in this case, they're really refined into different EPs, separate formats, and Patrick takes it to the to the you know to the end of the road. I mean, he famously, I think it was on the Murder Records podcast or something at some point was referring back to when they were recording. Um, same old flame in 95 um that he had an original and there is a bootleg uh or not a bootleg it's on the box set but it's like a slowed down more patricky kind of chugging version of that song and then i don't know if it was peer pressure but obviously chris and jay were probably like writing pen pals and stood up and stuff and going like hey man like you know you want to come join us in the pop market over here and uh he kind of turned it into a more a, a song that was more maybe in line with that style 95 96 kind of going into one chord and stuff um whereas this is not the case here yeah like you say he's 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 making the music that he wants to make and he carves out his own niche here that's totally unique from the other four sides and in a way as much as you know chris and jay's sides might have a lot in common musically and there's a lot of instrumentations that's the same they're very unique as well um as is andrews is incredibly unique you know um but patrick's a real standout and like you said earlier i just can't imagine this album without these songs like it just doesn't make sense it would almost be too much of of the same yeah you know it's it's uh Patrick brings a variety to the, to the whole thing. And, and, and I, I always took, I, I took it for granted until, um, you know, reading interviews and me, you know, maybe this was comments on, on the great, uh, murder records, Instagram, which you should all check out, you know, just the, the idea of, um, by Patrick making the music he wanted to make by bringing the good in everyone to Sloan mm. for one chord, the fact that, that Jay and Chris were apprehensive about that, about, about like a hard rock sound, but ultimately went with it. The fact that that gave them longevity. I think it was in a, re- a recent interview I was reading where they basically said, like, if we continued in the st- very strict, you know, pop, poppy guidelines where we were trying to emulate the sixties, we might not have had a whole career and there, uh, there wouldn't have been a, a money city maniacs. There wouldn't have been a, if it feels good, do it. Yeah. Pat Patrick in Patrick embracing the the music that he loves is inherent to Sloan. Sloan is not Sloan without that element. And that's what's so cool about them. That's why they're not that's why they're different from the Beatles. That's why they're Sloan. Yeah, that, I mean that song, like Good and Everyone was the rocket fuel that kind of reinvigorated their career. I mean, I love Lines You Men, and you could argue a song like Take the Bench or something could have been a single on that. I'm like, I mean, just imagine for a moment that Lines You Men is this ninety-six comeback single, you know? Like it would have been great, you know, and they're back, but I mean it wouldn't have packed the same punch as that perfect right. like two minutes of music. Uh <laughs> you know, a perfect, you know, left right double left and yeah exactly and we try and i'll say this if 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 there's anybody out there listening who doesn't love uh patrick's side and which i'll fully admit i did not love it when it came out um and it's, and like ken said it's not my go-to for patrick but for anybody who's, who feels that way just remember to trust this guy because oh. you might have you might have not trusted him with the good in everyone when that when when he brought that to the table you might have said like that's not sloan but trust him because that is because that made sloan 
who they are that uh, that helped in the evolution that's all part of it you know well said i mean i had the same reaction too i mean we might as well get into it if you guys want to king of spades i had that same reaction to 48 portraits when i first heard it it's just it's so much going on it, there's not a whole lot you can immediately hang your hat on. You know what I mean? Like it, each section is kind of like, okay, and now here's this section and here's this section. And you're hearing repeating themes and repeating lyrics and musical ideas. And then suddenly delivering maybes is back and it's, it's all over the place. Um, but obviously repeat listens have proven for me, especially that 48 portraits is, you know, and I'm sure there are maybe people who got it right out of the box or whatever, but I mean, like it has been, it's become like my favorite Andrew song. And this is my favorite piece of Andrew's career. I mean, Ken's obviously thinking about, he's looking at his copy of pretty together right now, but um, this is, uh, this is it for me, the pinnacle. So, So I'm Rob, I'm with you on this. I, I admittedly, if anybody's listening to Andrew's side for the first time, you're gonna you're gonna for at least a minute and forty seconds or whatever you're gonna be like, man is this, is this gonna be the most experimental is this is this Revolution Nine on steroids or what? <laughs> uh, but like, but it's all it's part. I immediately like once that that tremolo laden chord comes oh, in yeah. 48 portrait. Yep. you're just like fucking a like um, sloan yes. this is we are here like i don't know what like that first time i heard it i was like i don't know what this is gonna be but i'm here for it because yeah. <laughs> let's, let's contextualize this patrick uh, um andrew's coming off he had he had his home run on on never hear the end of it yeah. with with his amazing short songs and 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 his longer ones on there and and nobody can deny that and then and then he gets into what i would refer to as like a dylan bob dylan phase right. in, in for parallel play and and uh and and the double cross yep. you know listen like i like dylan a lot um but for me andrew is at his strongest when he is this wild genius of of backwards pop songwriting. Yeah. He is not he is not coming from the same school as as Jay and Chris are. He's mm-hmm. coming from as art school of of wicked purport. <laughs> like he's I mean we say it all the time we as in the three of us Sloancast uh anyone who likes Sloan we talk and and the members themselves point to like sinking ships as mm-hmm. like what the fuck like yeah. that is yeah. that is like the greatest piece of art that nobody could have thought of could have even thought of you know like i think there's a quote that says like genius you know like uh smart people can hit the target that nobody can reach genius reaches the target that nobody can see yeah and like that's when andrew's at his best that applies to him and so it's for me, I'm not the biggest fan of, of his parallel play and double cross songs. Although I do love, I do love she's slowing down again, mm. uh, which that's, you know, when you guys tackle the double cross, they'll, you know, think of me. Cause I love that. I do love that song. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, when, when I heard, cause you know, the, there, you know, once we knew that Commonwealth was going to be another double album and that we knew they were each taking a side, and you knew, and the you know once there were the, the rumors, and that's my hazy memory of it that there were even rumors, but you know that that Andrews was going to be one song. You had to me, I was going, oh man, this is either going to be 
this is either going to be the best thing he ever did or the worst thing he ever yeah. did. And that's like, f- frankly, and like, you know, Andrew, don't beat me up. <laughs> uh, and actually for, for fun, fun fact, fun aside, um, Andrew, after I'd written these articles, um, when I, cause you know, the closest, uh, closest Sloan tour stop for me is, is Philadelphia. And, uh, the Commonwealth show was at the boot and saddle in Philadelphia. And, uh, I, I ran into Andrew before the show and he just said, Hey, ni- nice articles, but, uh, couple quibbles and, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure. Uh, and, and, and he never told me what they were. I can imagine what they were like, mm. you know, either d- bashing his Dylan, uh, <laughs> phase or, or whatever, or just the fact that I, you know, dissected this, one song into so into all the little parts maybe he was like no man it's supposed to be one thing don't dissect it whatever um point is um there was when when i for me when i heard it was going to be one song that's how i felt i was like this is either going to be this is either going to be 15 minutes of traces or this is going to be sinking ships you know the sinking ships, the final conclusion, <laughs> the <laughs> like, final frontier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's definitely mm. the latter for sure. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I, and I like him. I mean, obviously we know he's a painter and I don't want to say that the other guys in the band are paint by numbers, but they do kind of have their songs. I feel have rules, you know, like it's like, you had talked to Ken in the first episode about Jay's sort of chord progression and the the interesting nature of that progression and whatnot. But I still mm-hmm. feel like those guys kind of exist in the in the world of verse, chorus, bridge, you know, major, minor, seven, turnaround, whatever, mm-hmm. solo. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, God, there's there's endless beauty in in perfect pop music. And the other three sides of this album are that in spades. Uh, you know, pardon the pun, but, yes. um, but, but in this case, Ayo, in this case, I see Andrew as the sort of frenetic painter who is not painting by numbers, but just grabbing at colors, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in the heat of the moment. And he doesn't even know what he's making till he steps away from it and kind of ha- and puts his glasses on and looks at it and then goes, uh-huh. It looks like well, that, you know, that's like probably, that's probably the truth to be to be frank as well, that's probably the truth about the process of putting the song together. Yeah. Chris has mentioned that, that he's literally like the Andrews there, just like, what's a four letter word for, uh, you know, what's a word that rhymes with orange when describing being upset with your neighbor, you know, and then, and, and then he just like puts it in, you know, and at the end of the song and not, not to skip ahead, but he ends the song with, uh, you know, WWLRD because in the moment that he was writing that within the hour, he said famously in an interview, that's when Lou Reed passed away, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So he's literally just pulling things, you know, where I think maybe Chris and Jay, you know, uh, maybe labor over the lyrics a little bit more. I know Chris for sure does. He's kind of a music guy first and then lyrics are second, but he does put the time in obviously. Um, but Andrew, yeah, is just like pulling stuff out of the thin air, but the way he constructs it. And I have to assume that the other guys played parts in this a little bit. I mean, Gregory for sure. I have to assume is there. I mean, if this whole side is recorded entirely by Andrew himself, that's stunning, you know, uh, in my mind, I have to imagine that he's leaning on somebody a little bit, you know, whether it's Murph or Greg or whatever, or the production person, whoever's helping him. But, um, 
If it is him, I mean, that's something else. I mean, we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the song here. If you want to go yeah. through your breakdown, Aaron, I, I, I'll say that I named the parts to the song. Um, Let's do that, Rob, because I, because I, my, in my review, I just call them like section one, which is very okay. confusing. And how many, for the and how many sections do you have out of curiosity? I think I, I think it, uh, ultimately 10 okay 10 sections i originally got 10 and then i called the interlude the musical interlude a section because on the on the cbcq interview chris referred to it as 11 sections so i was like okay i'll go with chris's take on this uh, so, for, so for you, me real are you, quick are you guys counting the intro as a section itself or does this start i am yeah before okay. the tremolo i'm calling that a section yeah so which we might as well we might as well one you know take it take it uh linearly yeah. if that's a word um what I, I i was i liked this description i came up with not to keep patting myself on the back but precisely to keep patting myself on the back <laughs> um i i call uh i'll just read it i said 48 portraits starts off with an experimental overture of dogs barking over a free jazz piano based duet and a stomp like beat of tambourines, muffled hand drums, wood blocks, and brass pipes, sounding like a wild rumpus version of Scott's eerie A-side winds piano outro from one chord to another. Um, I, and I, and I view like there, I, I viewed them sim like Andrew, Andrew's great at the atmospheric stuff that can be played uh, while they're switching instruments live. <laughs> like yeah. the beginning, the beginning of uh you know the beginning of uh, between the bridges, the ending of uh, well, the beginning of the NS, but the beginning of the album between the bridges, yep. the ending of A side wins, yeah. and this just very mm. and like there's probably you could probably show the first minute and whatever of Andrew's side to some like com- total like record snob who only <laughs> likes jazz or something. Yeah. You could show that to them, and that guy would be like, "Fuck, that's." I love that. Yeah, it's, totally. it's it's really interesting. It's a mixture between like Steve Reich and that sort of well, although Steve Reich is is very close to the next artist that I'm going to name, but um, it's it's a mixture between that sort of like speaking of Philadelphia, uh, that 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 locomotive type motion of of Steve Reich's music, and then almost getting into like Noi, or we talk about Can a lot when we talk about Andrew, but um, that. In, in German, it's called motorik. You know the music is going somewhere. You don't know where it's going. Mm. And uh, I like that. And he mixes in Dusseldorf influences, Neu, Kraftwerk with Steve Reich. It's probably just a, an accident, obviously. But it, uh, right. it, 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 it makes for a really perfect way to start this side because you know something's going to happen. You just mm. don't know what's going to happen. So this is and what a great what a great opener for their lot for the Commonwealth tour because they you know they obviously played that as a recording as their like intro music and it, you know lights house lights go down and that's playing and and it psychs it's it, to me it's it's for me it psyched me up beyond belief yeah, because totally. I'm like you're hearing it just as it is on the album, they're not trying, they're not, they didn't hire the blue man group to, to recreate it live. <laughs> they, they, they played the recording, which is fine. And that's a, that's a, that's all for another episode. That's you could call this podcast for another episode. Uh, <laughs> you know, like Sloan is so good at the, yeah. at the walk on music yeah. for their live. Oh, yeah. whatever it is. And, and, and Aaron, when you saw the show, did Chris do the bark into the second section? 
Chris did do the bark. Yeah, that's the best. And, uh, <laughs> and that is that is the best. I, I, anyway, I call this first section the dogs. And all of the sections are mm. the something. And this is based on um, the alternates album where the, the latter half of the, of the big. Might, piece, might I suggest you call it the, the barking because sure. I'm, I'm, I'm getting word that there is another song. No, I know. I just feel like it's a callback. Cause I mean, he's, he's called, he's calling back. Okay, okay. He's here like very directly. So um, I, that's I, true. I, that I tried to true. pick titles for each of the section that are, that could also actually be the title of the section, not just, you know, I wasn't uh, whatever anyway. So because anyway, on alternates, the last portion of this song is called the lesson. So I kind of use as a te- that as a template. So every section of this for me is the something. So part, I love so part one I love is that. the dogs. Um, and, and honestly, getting just looking at this whole song as a whole, I mean, this is what the inside of this guy's head looks like. I'm sure that he's got a lot more going on in there. Um, but in terms of an artistic output, I mean, he's just like wringing the rag, you know? And uh, it's an interesting point from the Q interview that I was mentioning earlier. Um, it's 17 minutes and 49 seconds, which is 1749 is the year that Halifax was founded, uh, which is interesting. And getting into the dogs, as I call it, the intro, the little percussive thing, it kind of reminds me of Cancer for the Cure by e- by the Eels in a weird way. That's kind of when I first heard it, that's what it's sort of reminding me of. But um, uh, anyway, yeah, so the first section, the dogs, we get the bark, and then boom, they're into the second section, uh, which I call the letter. Mm-hmm. It's upbeat. This is the, you say you're going with me. Uh, anyway. This could have been the single. This could have been the single, guys. Okay, so you're thinking if put, this was its own song, this out there, it ends too quickly. It ends okay, way too quickly. The, I respect is, the vision. You know, like, I, I, you know, sure, sure. We talked about the writing process. We talked about the process that maybe Andrew came into the studio with, like, here's eleven fragments, or here are ten fragments, or whatever. I need to make something out of this. And what what's a better use of my time? I'm going to use my time to, you know, maybe it's like, maybe it's the 11th hour. Maybe he's like, okay, well, I've been working on this for a year. It's uh, November, 2013 and I have like a month to f- figure my shit out. So what am I going to do? Am I going to put this all into five separate songs where it's going to be so complicated to track them all and do this and that, or am I going to make it one big giant thing? So I respect the latter. I, I would have loved to hear what would have happened if he made this first part of the song a song, like a standalone track. It sounds like it's going somewhere and then it stops, which is the point of obviously this side, (laughs) but I wish it kept going. So you would have the letter or the second part of the song as I refer to it be a song that's like that the whole way through, as opposed to going into these next couple parts and then cutting it off. That's right. Okay. Gotcha. I feel I feel I feel when Chris breaks in with the um don't ask for a second chance, it's too late right. for that. It's Got just it. like it it happens way too soon. It's like the, the statement it. hasn't been made yet. Right. I uh and so anyway, just to talk about the letter, as I call it, the second part, this is sort of the upbeat just bopping in there. Uh he's saying you're going with me. That's the line just for people kind of playing along at home. The third section I call the bomb, which is where Chris comes in with uh, don't ask for a second chance. And we go all the way through well where where Andrew says, Well you're just diffusing the bomb. That's where I got the title. Right, right. Um and that encompasses the next part, which is do the things I do and you can read between the lines. Real well, real quick regarding the bomb section. Yeah. Um I my in in my piece I say uh 
I say that the triumphant opening section is sucker punched out a minute into it, which that goes to what Ken was saying, mm. uh, immediately locking into a slower new section sung by Murphy and Scott alternating. And this is what I wanted to focus on all alternating between lead lead vocal and harmony duties. And I say, this section sounds like with a little help from my friends, if it was designed to play as background music in an interrogation scene of a noir film, in other words, in other words, like, you know, in with a little help from my friends, the, the questions, you know, do you believe in a love at first sight? That kind of thing. You know, Murphy chiming in with the don't ask for a second chance. It's too late for that. You know, and then Andrew coming in, you know, we can make a small amendment to your sensitive side, but you'll have to pass the hat, you know, like that. Just that, that, and that's a call, that's a trick Sloan has done throughout their careers, probably as early as, um, I hate my generation, you know, the, uh, the, the second singer comes in. That's what Sloan fan doesn't love it when another Sloan member guests on another person's song. We love it in So Beyond Me when, when Patrick comes in at the end. It's always, that's, oh, that's always the, in the, you know, they always have that in the, in their back pocket. Mm. They can always, they can always make us happy with that. Yeah. You know, but I love I love that section, and 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 Murphy Murphy is is Murphy and Gregory are all their fingerprints are all over this. Yeah, and uh, but but Murphy to me like we were talking we talked in the first episode about how Jay's voice just keeps getting better, and I agree with that. And I also say Murphy's voice, which has always been to me like from the moment I heard it, I was like, that's an that's an elite singing voice. Yeah. yeah. It's a special, like it's 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 prevalent on his side, but to me, like on Andrew's side, like the vocals, his vocals are like they're perfect. Like I can't, it, it, you know, and and I say this in in the piece, I'm like, did Andrew, did, you know, did Chris write some of these parts? Is that why he's singing it, or does Andrew just like his voice? And if that is the case, you know, like great taste, Andrew, because Chris is is on fire on mm-hmm. Forty Eight Port. And their vocals complement each other really well as well. I mean, I've I've heard as 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 a lifelong Sloan fan, basically at this point, for for all things considered, I find it strange when people say they can't distinguish the voices of the four members. But I guess you know, hearing it on the radio or something in the nineties where you don't have the highest quality, I get it. Right. And I've you know I've heard that people have had difficulty distinguishing Chris from Andrew. So their voices seem a little bit more complimentary than the voices maybe of the other members. You know, they're a little bit more, the other members are certainly a little bit more distinct in their, um, in their um, timbre, but uh, it works out well and it's worked out well in the past. And I think that now that they're at a stage in their career where they realize we kind of have to complement each other's vocal ranges, maybe just because of limitations in terms of getting that done well at the age of 45 or 50, um, which is also why they have Greg in the mix a lot of the time. Um, You know, it it doesn't sound like it's really a a stopgap or a bridge to fix uh, to fix their own limitations, but it sounds, you know, a lot more, uh, a lot more intentional. Hmm. So Rob, what do you, what do you call the next? Yeah. So the bomb ends with, and who's to blame for that, which goes into the next section that I call, this is the fourth section called the feel, which he's literally saying, how does it feel when you're emotionless and can't perform? I'm probably singing it incorrectly. How does it feel? Anyway, so that's the feel. That's the fourth section. And then the music kind of kicks back up and it's sort of a, a familiar sort of musical moment, right? We're kind of taken back in a time machine to 1999 between the bridges 
it's it's familiar music, although we're not going to hear the familiar lyrics for just another minute or so here. But he starts um, singing in the sort of cadence and the melody of delivering maybes. Uh, and I, I refer to this part as the method. And that's, there's something happening here that don't seem right. Uh, so he's, he's so which, is, which is him total back in Dylan mode. But for me, I was like, yeah, that's go off. Like do go, go into a Dylan thing right now. Cause clearly at this point we're, we're doing, there's no uh, rhyme or reason. We are just, you know, in a good way. Al, like, Al Cooper isn't you know. playing Hammond organ in the background this time. Yeah. For what it's worth, I mean, he is repeating the line. There's something happening here, which is Dylan. You know, uh, what is it? Ballad of a Thin Man, or is that yeah, a yeah. Desolation? What we, is it? Ballad? Yeah, it's Ballad of a Thin Man. Ballad of a Thin Man. Yeah. Um, nice. You know, so that has to be a reference, right? Uh, and I say, in the, I say in the piece that you know, on past Sloan albums, Scott's Dylan evoking style has overstated its welcome sounding fine for a minute or so before losing focus, but here it acts as a perfect down-to-earth break from the built-up magnificence of the other sections before heading right back into them. I like this. There's something, you know, and that's uh, analogous to Patrick's side, these, this idea of little little palate cleansers, you know, to 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 keep us focused. And, like, Never Hear the End of It had their own, had its own version of, of, of palate cleansers to keep you focused. Yeah. That you know things things to to make you forget that you're listening to two full albums worth of music mm. you know that makes it seem like it's one album you know you don't for either of these sloan's double albums you never feel like you're listening to some like laborious uh thing you're yeah, just never. you're you're they feel like they feel like a single album they feel like the albums feel like you feel when a single Sloan album's over and you're like, man, I wish there was more of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. how it feels. Totally. And again, Bob Dylan quoting, um, quoting Bob Dylan referencing Gordon Lightfoot. When you listen to a Gordon Lightfoot song, you wish it would never end. And, you know, for me, it's the same thing listening to 48 Portraits, which is kind of the reason why I wanted to get full tracks out of this one big track. Mm. Um, but it's just the quality of what's happening here, the musicality of what's happening here, the way it's thought through, the way it fits together, the, the texture of the instrumentation, everything that's taking place here is such that you, you kind of at moments think what would it be like if andrew released his own album where he had you know not 17 minutes and 49 seconds of real estate but 70 minutes of real estate right so what's the next what's uh after what do you call what was the previous section so the previous one is called the, the method and that's um it, it's sort of the method is the sort of delivering maybe is part uh which yeah. is actually kind of split into two pieces because it's punctuated in the middle with that where the, the song kind of drops out again and they go into the do you think she loves you part which i refer to as a, a separate part into itself called the love hmm. uh, which i i just want to interject yeah. that i my theory and i say this in the piece um the the last line of the of the previous section the big stars in your eyes won't deliver any light mm. i say cleverly throws to this to this section which sound he says the word big stars mm. and this section sounds like stuff off big stars 
number one record. Yeah. Like it sounds like I can't, I can never pinpoint which track it is. It kind of sounds like an amalgam of like three tracks. Mm-hmm. It has to be a reference to Big Star. <laughs> I won't have, I, I will, ha- I won't hear any other way. Because the other thing too is like you could argue, you could, I'm, I would bet my life that Andrew is a huge. Uh, big star third sister lovers uh, fan. I don't know how big oh. into big star you guys are, yeah. but like, you know, like this, even from the opening section, you're like, okay, that's this guy, you know, loves that. Like I, I could even tie the first section. It's a big star, but I feel like that, you know, the, uh, you know, do you feel um, she loves you? That, that section is like, if you played that to somebody and said, who is this? If, if that, that person like new big star, they would, they would say, what, what is this big star song I haven't heard? I love that little section. <laughs> totally. So that's that's the love, that little big star break, I guess we can refer to it as. Uh, and it ends with, do you think at all? And then obviously he returns to what I refer to as the method, which is uh, the Delivering Maybes line. What I did after what I said. And then he kind of changes the lyrics up, which I mean, could have been maybe an original lyric before he edited it for delivering maybes or maybe he's just you know weaving a new uh picture here it, it's hard to it's hard to to, to say um mm. and then the next section which is the seventh section for me starts with which, but, real quick sorry not yeah. to, sorry to keep interrupting you right? not a problem just man. the the uh to i love the the inclusion of the little delivering maybes thing to me is such it means so much to me as a fan mm. because you view you view the 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 people who you view Jay and Chris as the guys who are like super into Sloan. Mm. You view you know they're, that they're into their own band, which I love. You know they make the music that they want to hear. You view and maybe that's because they they're the two that always appear in interviews and stuff. Mm. You view Patrick and and Andrew as less into it, you know. And by by Andrew throwing the little delivering maybes thing in to me, that was like. He is he is a fan of it. Like he is he does love Sloan. Like he's throwing that he's throwing the fans like a little piece of something they love. And to me, delivering maybe's that's probably my favorite Andrew song. Oh, so it's like un- um, yeah, unreal. Oh, and so for me, throwing that in, I was just like, you know, I I there are, there are times I'm sure people listening to this are can can feel this. Like there are times where you kind of feel like, man, is Andrew is Andrew in into it? Like mm-hmm. does Andrew is Andrew more focused on painting or is he in, in Sloan? You know, like and and you know because because he's such an enigma kind of figure. But like it to me, I'm always I'm always heartened whenever there's something to me that's like, man, Andrew does care about Sloan. Like oh. this is his band at just as much as the other three. Guys. And to be yeah. to be oh fair God. to Andrew and I guess to everybody else as well, it's never been different during the history of the band, right? Andrew moved to Toronto in 93, right. you know, and was not practicing with the band or anything for a long time. And he was in different bands in the nineties and he was, you know, focusing on his art more or less intensively over the course of three decades. So, you know, this is part of his existence altogether. And there's no like, you know, Andrew could never be Chris Murphy going out there and doing interviews every day and, you know, being the the mascot and champion for the band, you know, it's not like Andrew couldn't be the guy that, you know, lay people mistaken to be the lead singer or whatever of Sloan. That's just not his thing. And his thing comes from the eclecticism of interests and hobbies and whatever that he has. We're seeing that right now during the pandemic very well. And I'm sure he's going to come out of this with 
a shit ton of material for music right i mean i can only imagine. you know this this is like going back to the lab you know i think a, that, like a full year of shitty neighbors just pissing him off <laughs> he literally not not to get too off track but he literally just posted in his instagram yeah. story how do you guys probably saw this yeah. like a like a steamroller across the street from me was like this thing 24 hours a day i'm like man we're gonna get, we're gonna get some good songs out of that write a song brother I was Emergency gonna say nine one one part two. <laughs> the the guy who's driving the steamroller is gonna need an ambulance. But yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, we we look at cultural things like like I, I use the example of maybe Star Wars and George Lucas, for example. Like everybody loves that first movie, so oh, quick, we got to make two more. Oh yeah, I had three in mind all the whole time. We got to make three more. Oh yeah, I had six in mind the whole time. You know, taking the idea of this brilliant little piece of pop culture and then kind of taffy pulling it as chris would say into this big long you know oh there was a whole universe i had in mind and you just go yeah fuck you you thought you know it wasn't even called you know the, a new hope at first fuck you know fuck off for me when i heard delivering maybe section i was like holy shit for every andrew song there's a 17 minute epic and he just carves the song out of it <laughs> you know I love that. I love that idea. I fantasize. Probably, God, for, probably true. There's a probably there's true. a fucking 18 minute you know golden eyes out there. Oh my god! If there is, I want that to be on the 2026 box set for never hear the end of it. Yeah, Ken's gonna there need to go. adjust his pants when he stands up later. But anyway, um, <laughs> so we've got. Uh, let me just pull this back here for just a moment. Um, I've talked about the love, which is. Uh, uh, sorry, the, do you think she loves you? Do you know it all? And then he comes back into the method, which where he kind of revisits delivering maybes. And then um, he gets into the next section where it kind of like pulls down a little bit. I can't believe you never told me the truth, which is what I call mm. the seventh section, the truth. Mm. And this is one of the longer sections. Um, it encompasses both times they do. What it does is unexplainable. That is there then there's another truth verse and then another sort of un- unsustainable unexplainable chorus hmm. um and let's talk about that yeah i i say in the in the piece i say uh the commanding string section used here is the perfect complement to such a climactic rock chorus and it would doubtlessly get george martin's seal of approval oh i mean yeah. like we talk sloan sloan is like <laughs> sloan I would. I'm just coming up with this now. But if if I had to like sell Sloan, like later era Sloan to somebody, I would say like, do you like Side Two of Abbey Road? Imagine a ba- imagine a band who who is Side Two of Abbey Road, mm-hmm. and this would be like this would be like a section where I could eat. I could totally point to that because of the string section, the the anthemic nature of it. It's just like when you're hearing when I was hearing that for the first time. I'm, I'm, you know, we're how, how many minutes into the song are we? Six, mm, seven. Yeah. I'm just like, man, like I am. Yeah. I, I, that to me, like a section like that solidified, like Andrew did it. I don't care what follows. Yeah. You know, like the stuff like that. Um, and even like the, uh, you know, you know, I, I, um, the section that, that precedes it, the little, I view it as like almost country country rock mm-hmm. tinged you know like and i'm like man give me a full album of andrew doing that yeah. like yeah. you know yeah. it's uh it's a testament to how many what this guy can do what if i told music. you there is a full album of andrew doing that 
What? Well, I mean, you got to go back into the demos of the Sadies in the in the 90s, but you can get oh, that. Okay. It's we'll talk. It's, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so what he's doing here in the little section that I call the truth, like this for me is like obviously the lesson and everything later gets is really great. And the whole song is awesome. But this, if, if you're not into this fucking song at this point, this is the hook big time. Uh, this truth section where he has these, what it does is unexplainable lines. And then it goes into the guitar, like the, I mean like, Oh God, is that just, that just does it for me. I could listen to that little lick and this little, I could listen to the truth part. I mean, Ken, we're talking about cutting these songs up and making them into singular songs. This is the one for me that I want to hear a full song of yeah. like this little, yeah. and, it, and essentially in this song from, I can't believe you never told me the truth um, all the way down to, you said you're coming with me, which is the refrain from the beginning of the song. Um, that's almost a little mini song there. It's about a minute or so long, maybe a minute and a half. Uh, you know, there, there's a perfect little Andrew song in there and I love it. Um, so anyway, we, 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 we come back full circle to the beginning of the song. It's a, uh, slowed down version of, uh, the letter part two. So I call this the letter part two. You said you're coming with me. It's evolutionary. That's the part I'm referring to. Right. Um, and that goes all the way down through him singing about, I asked, I asked for a proper glass, half full is fine, which is interesting because on the inside of the album, hey, coming back to this, he's sitting here at the common and he's got, it's not half full. He's had a few. What is the, what is the common for people? Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a little coffee place on Bloor street, like a little bar coffee house, Bloor street here in uh, Toronto. And I think there are a couple of locations called the common under that banner. Um, but that's where they're sitting. It's the Bloor street location. And, and there's Andrew's little glass. He asked for a half, for a little, for a half glass. And he's referring to, he only pours when it's free, which I think is a kind of a funny line. So yeah, kind of coming back to that, and then that. So that section, um, the letter part two continues through him saying, "We're running out of time. We're running out of time," and then the song kind of picks up again. And I call this part the. It's 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 reminiscent of part four, the feel. So I call it the feel part two. How does it feel when outside forces push toward home? Uh, yeah, so that's that section, <laughs> the feel part two. Cut me off, by the way. Hey, Rob, remind r- remind the listener that you are singing, and it's and we, we did not hire Andrew <laughs> Scott to, to, to come in. Oh my god, am I blushing? Good thing it's a podcast. <laughs> Jesus, um, this is Rob doing this live. We did not. Yeah, uh, you know, there are no sound alikes. We are not playing the record. <laughs> we don't have the stems. I'll have to. I was joking with Ken at this time. I'll try to do my Sloan impressions on, on at a future date. But uh, you know. oh, I, when when <clears throat> Flying High again comes on, I'm I'm in full Sloan. Impression. Let me get let me get warmed up a little. Anyway, so so the so the feel part two is sort of a little mini piece, and then and it kind of just breaks out into. Um, just the heartbreaking section. Sometimes I feel like I'm slipping away. Da 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 da. I I call this part the fall. And shout out, shout out to Chris and Greg on that because they do these like the the da 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 da. You know, they're like it's almost like barbershop yeah. background vocals. <laughs> yeah, that are clutch and mixed perfectly. Like mm. you know, not not even close to being up front, but just like anchoring it. You know. Yeah. 
so the fall, yeah, it encompasses that little, sometimes I feel like I'm falling away and then it kind of picks up a little again. Don't expect you to, to, to just give it away. I can't express it any other way. Um, and then he finishes that little section, the fall with, uh, if you motion me this way, I'll go that away, which I just love that little, that away turn of phrase. It's just uh, that away. Yeah. Uh, Very, that, that sort of, I love that era of Brit pop. Yeah. You know, it's smack dab between Abbey road and velvet undergrounds later stuff, which I think we talked about in an earlier episode of that niche of like pretty things, maybe like later kinks type era and that feels as though it's drawing a lot of influence from that even in the production style and i think the transition to the next part of of 48 portraits which for this would be the one that for me should have been fleshed out into a you know a standalone track or could have been and it is on alternates you know mm, but is, i feel yeah. as though what's happening what's happening here in, in sort of the full-on production modus uh right. in 48 portraits like this transition this guitar transition here gives me cold sweats the tone i'm not i'm not a tone chaser by any means uh as a guitarist but the tone that andrew gets on this breakdown where it's just him playing what Mm. sounds like it might be his country gentleman or something it's got Mm. you know through like a blues junior or something and like a fender junior or something it just Mm. like the, the distant quality the tinny quality I I get I literally that stopped me in my tracks the first time I heard it. It's the thing that guitarists dr- dream of. I'm sure it was completely unintentional. And Andrew's just like, <laughs> I just put a blues driver yeah. pedal on the floor and I'm playing through a reverb amp. That's it. <laughs> but, you know what they, they they often say? It's about the player and not the gear. You know. Well, that makes me feel great. <laughs> well by the way did we we might have i I don't know if we if this was if we are past this section but i just wanted to point out the uh the section the the reprise of the how does it feel part where i i call it in the piece i call it a rocking cha-cha version of that (laughs) section where it's you know like how does it feel you know like um i love that section it's almost like who steely dan or something like yeah it's like great very very cool section like there's i love i love the the little the callbacks to previous sections because Mm. that that makes this that makes this a suite that Mm. makes this a piece It, it 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 different it separates it from somebody who's literally throwing pieces together the callback i don't know who did the callbacks maybe in the uh you know if if the if the never hear the end of it box set is 2026 then we'll get the (laughs) 2034 uh commonwealth box set but like maybe maybe there'll be some drawing of like how they put all these pieces together you know i'd love i was just gonna say like me naming these sections i mean this is just me bullshitting i mean like that there are two for me in this song two major callbacks and that's the letter, which is which is you say you go with with me, which happens twice, and then the feel, which is uh, how does it feel section, which happens twice, and then the when you're talking, that's the one you're referring to. There is the how to, is the feel part two, that little sort of right, right, jangly right. piano pop section, and and, and the section Ken that you were just referring to a moment ago, that kind of is the 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 jewel in, the in Andrew's crown. Is the lesson, which is the song yeah. from Alternates, which starts with uh, "Inside a cloud of light, less glowing, I get the sense." Just for people playing along at home, uh, and from that section to the end of the song is the lesson. 
Yeah. So 11 parts as I count it, and uh, I might be a little off, but I th- thought it was a little fun to kind of give each section a little name. Um, I couldn't find anything online where these sections are named anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be fun. Maybe we'll talk to the guys or Andrew at some point and maybe get some clarity yeah. or not, whatever. <laughs> it's fun to speculate. Yeah, was, the, was the lesson a one-off name for alternates or did, you know, are they all named? That's, that's, that's the very, question. And that's, very, yeah. And I assume the aesthetic would have to be, it would have kind of bummed me out if the other sections are called like, you know, blue part two. Like I, I, I like the idea that they're all called the something. Yeah. So I kind of yeah, made exactly. that decision for him. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And it's that 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 hearkening back to Andrew's um, painting career is a device that he uses across his, um, I guess, across his collections, right? So he's got the dogs. He's got mm, yeah, uh, exactly. I'll have to edit in the other names of the stuff that he has. But go go to his website and check out some of his past work. Yeah. So um, the lesson I think for me personally, first of all, to hearken back to the guitar playing here he's doing dorian the entire time for i mean that's something that he's done before uh the dorian mode for people who need a reference uh is the solo for taxman it's paul mccartney's taxman solo is a great example of the dorian scale sounds a little bit oriental and exotic um just throwing in some a, a few a few different notes from a typical minor minor blues scale but it gives the the playing a little bit of an edge and character. And that's something that, that Andrew does quite frequently, obviously probably not intentionally, but it, it's, it's adding a little bit of meat to the bones uh, leading into the section. So we have this wicked blues guitar starting off this section. It's very somber, right? I feel as though this is almost the music that's happening takes a complete pivot towards the end, right? So it's almost like a reset button where Andrew takes on a new perspective things get a lot more optimistic or a lot more hopeful also with like the children's choir which is you know andrew's kids and chris's kids doing the vocals which i like as well and you know that there's the there's a great concert recording from the hmv underground from 2014 or 15 which rob you'll probably get to but um they got i'm not sure if it was alistair they got one of one of the kids up there to do um to do the background vocals for for the lesson yeah, at the HMV show, they had uh, this was HMV Underground on uh, Young Street, and uh, yeah, they had all the kids up there. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you from memory who was all there, but there was definitely a group of kids, and they were kind of being uh, there was like a little choir master. I don't know who was leading them, maybe Rebecca, but um, yeah, Chris's kids were for sure there, and I want to say Andrew's kids were there. I don't recall, but yeah, there was a little group, and it was very cute. It sounded great. They sounded awesome when they were singing. Um, do you guys have any speculation on? who they're saying a pray f- prayer for and what that person needs to understand. Oh, you know what? I really feel as though it just, I, you know, me personally, I feel as though it just sounded good at this point. In yeah. Yeah. The song. You know, I think just, maybe, the, just the idea of the idealism and honesty of, of youth, you know, like yeah. uh, the, 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 he's singing about something that it's so simply that a kid can understand. Why can't mm-hmm. you get it? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, real quick, just to, I just want to go back to um, the when Andrew says sometimes I feel like I'm slipping away that section. Yeah. Um, the uh, we got to talk about the horns. That oh yeah. In. Yes. Sloan knows how to use horns, like uh, you know the the you know such a tasteful way. They're never you know they're they're never cheesy. They're sense. always like yeah perfect you know and i'm so i was so glad to hear them again adding to that abbey road 
uh, feel, you know, I just wanted, I, I know we, we moved on, but I'm just, uh, I was, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the horns. I love that. I remember there was, I remember there was some music compilation that I bought one time and there was an, I've, I've shit on treble charger on this podcast already. So I'll just do it again. Whatever. Sorry guys. Um, it, it was like, you know, song X, you know, horn edit. So it's like the same exact song, but the intro has got like, so it sounds like fucking like real big fish or some shit. Like it was basically just like shit. Some fucking horn crew honking and bomping all over the beginning of some otherwise mm. f- totally fine song or whatever. That's just an mm. example of like, we can get them. So let's just put them on there and shove them wherever, uh, you know, thank God this right. band fucking exists, man. Cause God, like, you know, tasteful, you look up tasteful in the fucking dictionary and you get this album, this song, these guys, <laughs> Yeah, it isn't exactly lighthouse, is it? <laughs> and thank God. So where so where are we? Where are we in the song? So we are in the lesson. final section. We're in the lesson. Um, yeah, I mean, as he goes through inside a, a cloud of light, less glowing, he gets to uh, you know what I hear in terms of colors. Um, again, visual, you know, you know, colors, and I mean, obviously, he's such a visual guy with. Uh, you know, a painting. And, and this is a, this is a topic that we've never really talked about on the pod before, but it's one that I, mm. I want to get into. Maybe now it's not an appropriate time considering we're kind of going along here, but uh, you know, Andrew even himself visually has had sort of like characters in a way. And I think for him, maybe it's a fun way of presenting himself. And what I mean by that is there's like, there's Andrew with the anchors on his arms there's Andrew with the sunglasses and a leather jacket and like a biker hat, uh, you know, combinations of those. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you go to see a show yeah. and sometimes he just looks like a completely different character, you know, there's bearded Andrew, the rare, uh, on the twice removed, uh, yeah, yeah. anniversary tour, yeah, which was crazy to see. He's my facial hair. He's my facial hair idol. <laughs> and he's rocking it on the inside of this uh, album cover too. Speaking of, mm. it's, it's there. Got the pointy, what the a, pointy. What a great, what a great jacket and jacket and pink T-shirt. Only Andrew, as only Andrew could wear. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. If we're on, if we're on the topic of jackets, by the way, I forgot to mention this beforehand. Um, it, there's the lyric in the song: "If I've a legion to bear, you could wear it." Mm. And Chris is wearing a legion jacket from the carlton place ontario legion so as an ottawa valley guy i just had to put point that out there that's great i wonder if that's chris responding to andrew's lyric or chris wore that to the studio that day you know (laughs) i think they took uh, the final artwork and then andrew went and edited the lyrics again on the last song (laughs) (laughs) that's what i like to hear i love that speculation let's do what's uh, i mean maybe this is uh the wrong time but can can we do a, a left to right i iding of who is oh, yeah. on this gate the gate the uh the let's booklet far left is ryan hazlitt looking lovingly out the window dreaming about gear and you know when these guys pack it in one day maybe they'll give me their guitars above him to the right is mike nelson super manager extreme he's been there since the 90s uh some character in glasses in the front here wearing a legion jacket over his shoulder is uh, kevin hilliard at the bar. 
with really uncharacteristically long hair <laughs> and, and glasses. I love it. This 2014-15 Murph with the crazy hair is like 500 up Murph. I love it. Kevin Hilliard just over his shoulder, who is there sort of like, we talked about him earlier, good time guy. He's the lighting guy, the clapper. He gets the party started and keeps it going. Mm-hmm. He's on the right. phone in the row. We got Mr. Pentland here. Uh, his betrothed over his shoulder, Laurel. Uh, in front of her is, of course, the man himself. Mr. Cleopatra and back behind him is scuba Steve, who I think at the time was doing guitar tech for them. And mm-hmm. as I understand it writes music for children's TV these days. Um, okay. And then in front of him, obviously uh, Gregory McDonald and Mr. Scott in the pink shirt. Looking cool and emblematic as ever. As cool as ever looking like a director. Okay. I guess wrapping up the album here, our, our chat about Commonwealth, any final thoughts guys? That outro riff um, for 48 Portraits is, sure. is uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy, isn't it? It is. It just That's is. right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yep. that's the end of this discussion. No, I'm, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> and we, and we yeah. didn't really touch on it earlier, but the WWLRD, I mean, I, I guess we did kind of. I mean, Andrew, I, I, yeah. I picture him, you know, uh, hearing the news of Lou Reed passing away, but mm-hmm. also, you know, he's probably looking at his record collection, which I assume has got some Velvet Underground and Lou Reed in there as well. So, well, and this, and this and, track and, as well. The song, the song has Velvet Underground moments. I was just going to say, this is Sterling, okay. Sterling Morrison is written all over this song. I mean, as well as written all over Andrew Scott's career, but this is there are moments in here where I think, like, am I listening to Sterling Morrison play guitar? Am I am I right in recalling that Andrew has a child named Sterling? That's right. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Hello. I'll say this, and this is how I wrapped up the the Andrew section in my piece, and I'll just I'll just read it uh, verbatim here. I say. Uh, Yeah, this is a lot to take in the first time you hear it, but repeated listens reveal that with 48 portraits, Andrew Scott and Sloan have constructed something bigger than any one of their usual songs, Mm -hmm. a musical mansion with a hundred rooms. Just live in it for a little and you'll see that it's really an incredibly designed piece of architecture. Some have said that the song lacks entry points and is impenetrable, But that couldn't be further from the truth. 48 Portraits is one of Scott's most inclusive pieces because of its because of its multiple breakdowns and shift changes. You most certainly can enter it at different points. But why would you want to when listening to it in its entirety and memorizing its melodic ins and outs is such a rewarding musical experience? My God, a review almost as beautifully written as the album itself. Oh, stop it now. I couldn't have said it better, buddy. That was what an epic way to end the review. You know what? That's where I'm at on it. I, 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 to this day, I still, if I'm, I'm doing 48 portraits, I'm, do, I'm doing it. Like you, I think you said in episode one, like it's, it's perfect to, to just throw on and, and know all the sections and the callbacks. And yeah. the more you live with it, the more you, the more familiar you are with it. Like I, I despise jam bands and long, and long songs, but like this is one of the exceptions to the rule. Like yeah. I, uh, you know, maybe this is what Grateful Dead fans feel when they when they love like a, a long song and they love the ins and outs of it. I'll never get there, probably, but yeah. more power to them. But like, I'm happy with this as as my version, I've, you know, 17 minutes of, of, of this. But I mean, 17 minutes of Andrew Scott involves thought and taste whereas 17 you know 17 hours of the grateful dead involves drugs and just playing the same note for like three hours to quote to quote the great to quote the great tom sharpling they had a bunch of 
really cool logos and stuff, but their logo should have been a barrel of wet hay. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) Fuck. Well, hey, man. Yeah, this is an amazing album. I'm so happy that we were able to now talk about the second double album by a non-jazz yeah. artist in the Sloan catalog. It's It's been a pleasure today, guys. Any any final thoughts you want to just kind of put out there? I'm just happy that this album is out is in the repertoire. You know, I'm happy that this happened. You know, this is uh, maybe a phase of the band's career that some fans tend to gloss over. And certainly, you know, we talked about each of the sides being quite unique and maybe some of the work not necessarily reflecting the work that had taken place in previous points of the Sloan catalog, but, you know, the speculations as to what would have happened if Andrew Scott had decided to write separate songs. But I am, you know, I'm dead set on the opinion that this album is an important milestone in the band's career. And I think when we're, when we're two or three albums further into the band's career in a few years time hopefully um that we'll look back and say like this might have been a turning point stylistically for them for a completely different reason or artistically for them for a completely different reason so i'm really happy it happened i'm really happy that this album happened i'm happy that the listener who is listening i'm talking to you made it this far with us if you did i hope that this chatter inspired you to at least look back on this album if you haven't heard it in a while go to the website pick up a copy go to a you know you can't go to a store mm-hmm. right now but find it online check it out it's so worth it as aaron was saying earlier you know the more time you invest in this record uh, i think it it returns in dividends. So, uh, and one one thing we didn't we didn't talk about, which is the 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 vinyl of it. You, I I have confirmed that uh, the first the first pressing is two two black vinyl discs, but f- subsequent pressings did have the inten- do have the intended one red vinyl mm-hmm. and one black vinyl to mimic the colors mm-hmm. of the suits of cards that so. means i gotta buy another copy which is no problem i'll yeah, have to do that. i mean of course <laughs> can i can i can i read my my conclusion paragraph Please do it bless us with it. commonwealth is four sides of confirmation that sloan gets better and better with age it shows one member experimenting with the expectations of the band's sound two continuing with their unbeatable streak of pop masterpieces and another advancing the band into larger than life territory the arrangements are superb. The melodies, the playing, the album art, the heavy-duty double vinyl jacket. It's all just a near-flawless offering from a near-flawless band. who had the One who had the audacity to release a second double album, separate it into four mini-albums by each member, and somehow have it sound as unified and as harmonious as their usual four-songwriter blend. If you're a band and you're accomplishing something that the Beatles never attempted then it's safe to say you're doing something right. And Sloan didn't just accomplish it, it downright mastered it in a way that no other band in this world could even dream of. With Commonwealth, Sloan has added a precious and priceless jewel to its already lustrously decorated crown. There you go. Man, that's fantastic. They're the greatest. And here's to more albums by the greatest, you know, to come. Uh, we're here early 2021. I think there's a new album in the works now. So, you know, we wait with bated breath and hopefully more to come after that too. Because, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I, it's hard to imagine these guys going away, going away anytime soon. And I think when they put their mind to it, when they are able to, you know, put pen to paper and guitar to amp and microphone to mouth or whatever. These guys create magic. And this album is without a doubt, an example of that. And they are. And as Chris always says, they are a mutual fund 
kind of band. That's what, that's who you are investing in. Yeah. If somebody is not carrying their weight, they, you expect the other guys to bring it even harder than usual. And that's, that's why, you know, there are, there are, there are other bands with multiple songwriters. I, I defy you to name one with four songwriters, but, uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're recording this. They're Sloan. They are the greatest. And, uh, it's not, it's, it, it, maybe it sounds over the top, but sincerely, it's not. It's, yeah. that's, that's how we feel. That's, and that's, that's three people mm-hmm. to multiply that by all the people who are out there listening to this. There are, there are secret, but they're also, uh, you know, we want to share them with the world and albums like Commonwealth, uh, are, and like I just said, another another jewel in the crown for Sloan. That's why they are the kings. Pete Word. pictured on the cover. Word. And hopefully we did that with these two episodes. Hopefully we were able to share. Aaron, it's always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. Thank Aaron Pinto, talking. the king of New Jersey. And uh, Ken, right. my Sloan compatriot buddy. I love it every time we get to chat in this way. It's, it's awesome when we get to be joined by Aaron. But I'm sure we'll be yakking about some other topic shortly. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have you back for the double cross, Aaron, if not sooner. Uh, so hey, once again. What a- Whenever you need me, whenever you want me, whenever you need me, as as, uh, as a lyricist, I can't. That's a good closing note. And real real quick, thank you. know, I I don't know if this has been said, but thank you to you guys for doing this because uh, this is this is exactly what the what the doctor ordered. It's uh, you know, we would we're talking about if we're going to be talking about Sloan our whole lives, like chatting people's ear off, we might as well record it. Fuck yeah, man. That's and right. You guys made it happen. <laughs> well, That's we right. thank, thank you for we having thank the band for existing. And so for everybody out there, never forget to keep Sloaning. And in these crazy times, find somebody you love, give them a hug and tell them to keep swinging. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye.